The following ShishMed podcast is a production of DrPodcasting.com. So do you know the health needs of the population you serve? And if so, are you developing services to meet those needs? Hmm, I ask you this question. Well, let's talk about building population health neighborhoods. This is a really important topic and learn how a person's zip code right in your community, can actually determine their health, giving you valuable insight into their needs. So let's talk about it with Adam Russman, Director of Data and Analytics at Wellforce, Dr. Megan Cardoso, a Medical Director of Population Health at Wellforce, and Mike Eaton, Senior Vice President of BVK Health. And this episode sponsored by BVK Health. So let's get into it, right? No. This is the ShishMed Podcast, rapid insights for healthcare strategy professionals in planning, business development, marketing, communications, and public relations. I'm your host, Bill Klaproth. And in this episode, we talk about building population health neighborhoods and learning how a person's zip code can actually determine their health with Adam Russman, Director of Data and Analytics at Wellforce, Dr. Megan Cardoso, a Medical Director of Population Health at Wellforce, and Mike Eaton, Senior Vice President at BVK Health. And this episode brought to you by BVK, an independent business, marketing, and advertising agency with expertise in delivering purpose-driven healthcare experiences that impact lives, build healthy communities, and shift societal health behaviors. Visit them at bbk.com slash rapid insights to schedule a private session with one of their health experts today. Dr. Cardoso, Adam, and Mike, welcome to the ShishMed podcast. We start every episode of the ShishMed podcast with rapid insights. One quick tip someone can use to make their marketing communications better today. Mike, let's start with you. Give us your rapid insight. There's a really critical shift in how you should think about your strategies, you think about communicating to your customers. And it starts with changing the question from asking, how are we doing? To asking, how is my customer doing? And customer may be an individual, it might be a family, it might be a segment of folks with a particular need. It can be a whole community. But if you start with understanding how your customer's doing, you often come up with different answers to the problems that they have or the unmet needs that they're trying to solve for. Love that. So switch that question to how are you doing? Thank you for that rapid insight, Mike. Adam, you're up next. Give us your rapid insight. Zip code should only be five digits or nine digits. Nothing in between will work. <laughs> five digits or nine digits. Let's remember that, people. All right, Adam, thank you for that rapid insight. I appreciate it. Dr. Cardoso, you are up next. Give us your rapid insight. When you're working with physicians and physicians' offices on complex topics like building healthy communities, um, it's important to present all of your information in practical, simple, and effective ways. That is your rapid insight. Thank you, Dr. Cardoso, Adam, and Mike. We appreciate that. Adam, we're going to go to you first as we talk about this great topic, building population health neighborhoods, and we can learn how a person's zip code can actually determine their health. So let me ask you this, Adam. Health systems are making the shift from looking for customers to buy the services they offer to developing services to meet population health needs. How does someone in your role help make that shift? One of the foundational elements to any health system is how they best leverage and use their data 
to meet the needs of both their community and the broader organization. The use of data within this context is really to drive insights that help define and generate most high value services that are needed within any type of marketplace. And when you start talking about healthcare, this becomes increasingly important, particularly around different types of clinical services and different types of interventions that you can then drive and derive from data. So someone within my role is the person who is responsible for gathering, cleaning, and preparing data for individuals like our clinicians and other administrators within hospital systems to derive insights and define what their market plans should be going forward. You're kind of like a zip code hunter. So you're looking for certain things within a community like hypertension or diabetes or other things like that. You go out looking for those types of things? You can go out looking for those types of things or like a good metaphor, a good simile is, you know, act like a fisherman would. You're really trying to review where in the sea you may find activities and individuals. and You're trying to cast the line and cast the net to identify those. So you can either use a model where you're hunting and you're trying to find where those are, or you let the data speak to you by using some of the later technologies and newer activities to sort of read out what is happening underneath the sea. Right. So using the fishing metaphor, at times you're just casting the net wide to see what you catch and what turns up. Correct. It's not necessarily taking the idea that there must be hypertensives out there. It's looking around your network to say, it looks like I have a hotspot of cardiac patients in this one geographic region on the south shore of Massachusetts who have a certain utilization pattern based on their proximity to different types of services. And by sort of framing the question that way, as opposed to saying, tell me where my hypertensives are, you end up identifying more interesting patterns that can come from just naturally reading data. So then how would a marketer go about extracting this information from zip codes? I'm just curious, how do I look at a zip code? Where do I go to find out that, oh my gosh, I see that this certain zip code has a high prevalence of hypertension. How do you do that as a marketer? Lots of people in the data world will know that the first thing you really need to do is get and acquire really clean data. The world of zip codes, depending on what your systems are and what they look like, luckily things like EMRs and practice management systems have improved data capture, but you really need to hone in and isolate and get a working zip code for an individual patient in, within your population. And then in using that, you need to then go through a whole exercise of taking those zip codes, mapping them in, identifying what towns and what zip codes and sorry, what towns and what activities get associated to those. And then you're tying it into all of your other clinical data that you gather, your quality measures, your clinical activities from your EMRs and your claims-based measures to come up with an overarching view and picture of what your population would look like. Yeah, that is really interesting. I love that data perspective you bring to that. You're mining the zip codes to see basically what you can find. So then as you find some areas of interest or things that are important to you, let me ask you this, Dr. Cardoso, from a physician's point of view, what are some of the most stubborn barriers then once you find this information out to building healthy communities? 
That's a great point. I'm actually going to take you a step back there for a second. One of the biggest challenges we have is getting the demographic information that we need. So we may know what people's zip codes are, but we don't know what language they speak or what ethnicity they have or where they're coming from. And as you know, with COVID and the pandemic, inequities in healthcare have just become so much more prevalent and we've been able to see them more. And so how do you specify and target specific communities based on all those factors? Well, the problem is that a lot of our offices and our PCPs and our hospitals aren't equipped or prepared to ask those questions yet. So I would say to take a step back, I think we need that clean data and really working with our providers and our offices and our hospitals to feel comfortable asking that question and explaining why it's so necessary and relevant. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That's really important, and I'm glad that you said that because as you're talking about barriers, that seems like one of the ones you first have to overcome. What other stubborn barriers would physicians face? Yeah, so pervasive problems like mental health are very big. We find people who have a lot of chronic conditions often also have something like depression or anxiety that go along with it. Sometimes it's identified, sometimes it's not, but we know that people who have depressive disorders, for example, are utilizing more often. There's lack of access to healthy food for diabetics. There's lack of good family and social supports for people. And as we think about transitioning most of our healthcare from the hospital, which has always kind of been the hub of our healthcare as we're transitioning that to more how do we take care of people in their homes and their communities, it's important to think about how do we get the resources we need to take care of them into those homes and into those communities. Yeah, that's a really good point about that transition again from the hospital to care in the home or the community. So can you give us an example of all this, kind of a real world look at how this works? Sure. We have been working, a team of physicians came together and said, what are one of these barriers that is preventing equitable care that we want to tackle first? And so we, as a group, came together and said depression is something that is pervasive in our community. It crosses all socioeconomic zip codes, et cetera. And so we thought about depression and we built out a playbook for our physicians and our offices. It really thinks about a couple of things. So one is how do you standardize screening across the board, all ages, all demographics, all languages? to identify depression. And then once you have identified depression, what do you do? What's the next step? How do you integrate behavioral health into primary care, places where resources are low? So we have built out a playbook for our physicians that's just kind of a step-by-step. This is how you screen. This is how you refer someone to the program. This is the follow-up. This is how we gather data. Here's some resources for your patients. Here's some prescribing guidelines. So again, very simple, polished guidelines that are easy and quick reads for our physicians. And generally, are physicians receptive to this information? Very receptive. Everyone in busy clinicians' offices, we don't have a lot of time to spend with all of our patients going through all of this. So with standardized screening and then teams that can help us with with our depressed patients, people have been very receptive to this. Well, that's really good to hear. So Adam has kind of went and found the information we need. Dr. Cardoso has put together a playbook for the physicians. Mike, how do we put this together from a marketing role? How do you see marketing playing a role in population health strategy and activation? I think marketing is a really big role to play in population health. And one of the concerns that I have often is that marketers don't see that. So there's a sense that that happens someplace else. There's a couple of things that are really critical. One is in marketing, a core function that marketers play is identifying needs, unmet needs, where there's opportunities, gaps in the communities that we serve, in the populations we serve them, in our customer base. 
So as Adam talked about those data tools, and as Dr. Cardoso talked about the importance of having not just zip codes, but also demographic data, understanding language, understanding a whole series of variables that impact how people make healthcare decisions. We know there are a lot of databases that marketing has access to, to be able to fill in some of that qualitative insight and data, as opposed to just the quantitative of who lives here and and some basic demographics. So marketing has a big role to play there. Second area marketing has a big role to play is when we think about how the story gets told. And Dr. Cardoso was referencing that, that it's important not simply to take a really complex topic like this and drop it on physician practices that are busy. They're already managing lots of data. They have a lot of information that flows through their practices. But how can we put it together in a way to tell stories? We know that storytelling is how people learn. We know that if we can bundle these things up in playbooks and toolkits and different types of things that are really well done, polished, simple, clean, taking the complex, making it simple, we have a much higher likelihood of people actually putting those things to use. And that's what creates the impact in the communities. It's taking the work that Adam does to identify where there are opportunities for us to intervene, the work that Dr. Cardoso does to design highly effective interventions, and then that role that marketing can help to play to take that information and put it out there in a way people can use it. So for a marketer listening to this, what is the first step in doing what you just said, having that information at your fingertips, your hands, if you will, and then, okay, I've got this information. What do I do first? I know you talked about storytelling, but kind of give us a roadmap for a marketing director. What should that person do with this info? Well, the first thing is to not presume that you're on the sidelines when it comes to population health. So it's to make that commitment to plug in two population health development efforts, developing strategies in particular markets and regions, and thinking about how to communicate, how to change people's behaviors. And that's an important first step is to know that you're relevant to the process. The second is, as Adam talked about, it's understanding what data do we have, where do we have gaps in our data to be able to identify the things that Dr. Cardoso spoke of in terms of kind of the qualitative variables which influence people's ability to get care. We think of those as social determinants or structural deficits, barriers for people getting the care that they need to stay healthy or slow and manage the progression of chronic disease or fill gaps in care. So the marketing team should be thinking about what data sets do we have that can contribute to this and helping build that in. And then the third thing is working with the clinicians like Dr. Cardoso to talk about How best do we tell this story inside the organization and outside? At the end of the day, a lot of population health is about identifying needs and helping people change behaviors. That's what we do in marketing. It's really getting involved, contributing to the data effort, and then putting it all together in a way that is compelling for individuals and clinicians to change behaviors. I love that line, Mike. You are not on the sidelines when it comes to public health and that marketers have the ability then to take this information and change those attitudes and behaviors. So when it comes to the actual tools of marketing, you were talking about storytelling. So then a marketing director could put together a campaign encompassing the website, 
social media, direct mail, all those tools that marketing directors have at their disposal. Is that right? Absolutely. And it's doing so in a way that is understands how people want to consume information. We know today that 97% of people have a cell phone. There's all sorts of ways. A high percentage have smartphones that we can push information to people, prompts for them to not only access medical care, but to think about their own healthy behaviors. There's all manner of ways that we can tell stories in communities so people can understand the importance of this, whether it's thinking about access to healthy food and healthy food choices, safe places to have recreation and play and walk and all of that, any number of different dynamics, dynamics in the home, dynamics in the neighborhood, in the schools. The marketing team really can play a great role in helping build awareness, get people engaged, and help give them the encouragement and the tools to change behaviors. Right. And then when that is all said and done, how do we measure success of these types of health initiatives? Well, I go back to Adam and Dr. Cardoso because Dr. Cardoso is looking at overall health status for a population. So we should see fewer emergency department visits, unnecessary ED visits. We should see fewer hospitalizations. There should be a healthier community in terms of looking at diabetes and heart conditions and ultimately people's well-being. It goes back not just to my physical health, but my emotional, social, physical, spiritual, and family economic well-being. We should be able to see improvements in all of those dimensions. And someone like Adam plays a key role in helping us track that, measure that, manage that. Because at the end of the day, if it's not changing, then we need a new strategy. So it's kind of like a circle then. As you implement these strategies and changes and build marketing campaigns, it kind of reverts back to Adam to go, is this working? Are we seeing less hypertension now? Are we seeing less diabetes? Is that kind of right? It's kind of like a big circle? To use Adam's fishing analogy, if he's casting his nets and we're coming up with less type 2 diabetes than we were when we started, then we've made progress. (laughs) I love that. That is great. And if there are any fishermen who are marketing directors who are listening to this podcast, I'm sure they are really enjoying this. So as I talked about that circle and going back to you, Adam, let's get your final thoughts on this very important topic. Adam, how about your final thoughts? Yeah, I think Mike's topic and conversation around how do you measure success, something that really stands out to me is that the relationship and the strength of the relationship that your healthcare network has with the patients within various areas, and that measuring things like brand loyalty and brand recognition become really important when you start talking about how are you going to determine and drive improvements in population health. I think it's one of those undervalued and understated components of a population health strategy that marketers can really take to heart, that you need to have a strong brand in order to grow and improve the health of communities that you're interacting with. Yeah, that makes sense. Having a really strong brand loyalty and recognition to really enable you to do this work and really be successful in your population health strategy. That makes a lot of sense. And Dr. Cardoso, let's go to you. Let's get your final thoughts on this. Thank you. Yes. One of the things I was thinking about as Mike and Adam were talking, physicians struggle with 
treating our patients as customers. These are people, we treat their health, their well-being, their mind, their body, their soul, right? And so when we think about them as customers, a lot of times physicians have this immediate rebuttal feeling. On the flip side, what we do almost 100% of our day is change management. And so thinking about how we can partner with our marketing directors to say, this is what you're great at, it's change management. We're trying to do the same thing. How do we partner while we're taking care of our patients and their well-being with change management at the same time is such a powerful place to come from. And then when you tie that in to the population health, the data, and really tracking how you're doing, it's just an all-star team. Absolutely. You can see how all of those things tie in together. And if you do it right, how powerful that can be. Okay, Mike, you're last to uh, cast the line, reel us in, wrap this up for us as we end our podcast on population health strategies. There's an old saying that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And when we think about impacting the health of different communities, so if I think at a zip code level and I think about communities that may have language barriers or transportation barriers, maybe a function of there's not enough resources in their area, we really have to be mindful that this isn't simply a matter of putting some programs together and offering some services. We have to engage in those communities. You have to demonstrate that you care about physical, emotional, social, spiritual health, economic well-being, for them to care what you know in terms of changing behaviors, teaching new ways to live healthy, to manage chronic disease. So from a marketing standpoint and really from an organizational standpoint, there has to be a authenticity, a genuineness to this in terms of getting engaged. And that's a really important component of success. So I, I think it just important to always operate in that context of we are part of the communities we're trying to serve and help people to heal. That is one of my favorite quotes of all time. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. That really sums it up. And as you said at the very end there, people want to know that you're part of the community. You're in there with them. So this is really, really important. What a great podcast. Thank you all for your insights as we talk about population health neighborhoods and learning how a person's zip code can actually determine their health. So really interesting, great information. Adam, Dr. Cardozo, Mike, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And once again, that's Adam Russman, Dr. Megan Cardoso, and Mike Eaton. And this episode is sponsored by BVK, an independent business, marketing, and advertising agency with expertise in delivering purpose-driven healthcare experiences that impact lives, build healthy communities, and shift the societal health behaviors, just like we were talking about today. Visit bvk.com slash rapidinsights to schedule a private session with one of their health experts today. Once again, bbk.com slash rapid insights. And to learn more about Shishmed, you can visit shishmed.org. That's S-H-S-M-D.org. And visit our education page to learn about our upcoming programs. And if you found this podcast helpful, and quite seriously, how could you not? Really, how could you not? Please share it. <laughs> on all of your social channels and please hit the subscribe or follow button to get every episode. This has been a production of Dr. Podcasting. I'm Bill Klaproth. See you.